Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of You're Still Here. I'm still here on the road for another episode. I'm hoping that this gets to you on time because out of nowhere, I got asked to do a comedy show tomorrow night in Tampa Bay at a place called Side Splitters. So, you know, let's keep this between you and I. You and I, you and I. But I haven't been on stage since before the pandemic. So there is a non-zero chance that I'm absolutely garbage tomorrow night. With that said, if you don't see any clips from it and you don't hear anything about it, that means that's exactly how it went. I've never performed at this place before. I've never performed in Florida before. This could go any which direction. Like, who's going to be in the crowd? Who's going to be? Is it going to be a random young crowd? Or is it going to be like the Morty Seinfeld retirement community? Like, I don't know who to cater the material to, but I'm hoping that the gentleman who booked the show, who saw some of my stuff, knows kind of what type of show to slot me in. But we will find out tomorrow, or at least I will, because if it doesn't go well, you're not finding out a damn thing. So, how are things going for all of you? You know, for me, I don't know, I think I'm doing damage to myself down here. Like, after being locked up for a full year, my brain has, like, PTSD. I'm acting like I'm acting they're going to like take it away from me the same way it got taken away from me last year. I'm going out, I'm drinking, I'm just, everything I can, I'm just doing like a supermarket sweep cash grab. Go ahead, grab everything you can get your hands on. Supermarket sweep. Today I actually, I want to start out by talking about the Artemi Panarin story. Now, even if you're not a sports person, trust me, listen to this. I don't know if you've heard it, but Artemi Panarin, a Russian hockey player for the New York Rangers, spoke out against essentially everything that's going on in Russia, where they locked up the opposition to the president, and he was very outspoken about the situation. Now, all of a sudden, he's had to take a leave of absence from his team. Essentially, Panarin talked about how he felt politically, and now, because of that, he had to leave the New York Rangers. And if you're wondering why he may have left the New York Rangers, then just go ahead and turn on the documentary Icarus. And then maybe that will give you a kind of explanation of what can be done by the Russian government once they perceive you as a threat to them. You know, I find it very funny, all these people on social media who are so quick to decry, it's the end of democracy, the end of democracy. Oh, yeah. Think about it. You can critique any single person you want, any politician, any movie star, whatever you want to do, you can critique them. And guess what? You don't have to take a leave of absence from your job. You know, there are a couple things that I'm skeptical of that I don't even want to talk about because the way things work now is if you say anything even remotely critical of anything, that's it. You're lumped in there with all the the maniacs. You know, if I make one, hey, something doesn't look right about that. Oh, that's it. You're lumped in. Put it on tinfoil hat. You're storming the Capitol. That is the penalty for having an inquisitive mind now. But I am sorry. I am a critical thinker. Okay, look how my mind works. Look at my con. Look what I'm thinking about. I question things. Okay. I know I sound like Dennis Leary in Demolition Man when he goes, yeah, Cocteau sees me as a threat. You want to know why? Because I like to think. I like to smoke a cigar, cigar the size of Cincinnati. In a section. I question things, okay? When a girl tells me that she didn't respond in two days because she, quote, never checks her phone, sorry, but color me curious. When I walk up and down the street, I see people, every single one, with their head buried in their phone. So now I'm supposed to believe you're the one person out of all these people who just never happens to check their phones? What are you doing? You walking around looking at the sky like some guy in 1985? No. I highly doubt that. You saw it. You saw it many times. In fact, you kept scrolling by it to answer the other people you did want to message back. So when something like that happens to me, I obviously, I want to know the answer. 
I have that type of inquisitive mind. So what do I do? I text that person from what I call a decoy number. So then I can gauge their standard response time. And what do you know? Every single time, it's under one minute. That's how it works. My mind sensed something was off. And then I concocted my own way to reveal the truth to me. And by God, what do you know it? I got to the answer. I was ignored. <laughs> but no, for some reason nowadays, you're just told you have to accept it. And if you don't, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're the guy with the Viking horns who is screaming at the Capitol. That's what, that's what you are if you have a thought about something. And by the way, I have news for you. You know why I have to be a conspiracy theorist, me personally? I can't not be a conspiracy theorist because I've taken part of multiple conspiracies. Multiple. I have been a part of multiple conspiracies. Remember, not all conspiracies are JFK assassinations. There's minute conspiracies. There's small conspiracies. There are low-level conspiracies out there, just like low-level misdemeanor crimes. And then th those are the conspiracies that I take part in. Okay, you want one? Here's one. Here's a conspiracy. There was this girl that I saw at the bar. Okay, I wanted to talk to her. So you want to know what I did? I told my other friend who was coming, hey, when you see me, I'm going to be in the bar and I'm going to go to the left of this girl who's kind of leaning in the bar. When you come in, you go to the right of her so that when I have to say what's up to you, I have to speak across her, like right across her. And then that would be so easy to just turn to my like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be talking on you. What's your name? That's what I did. And by the way, it worked. But now, do you imagine there was a third party later in the night who said, you know what, I bet you that guy, he did the fake walk to the left of the person and then had his friend come to the right of the person so he could talk across her and then pick her up. You'd say, oh no, you're a conspiracy theorist. No, he's actually right, is what he is. So the next time you want to write off conspiracy theorists, just know that I did that. Left of the girl, right of the girl, talk right through her, get her number. All right? Do you want another one? Because I got another one. And I'm sorry that everything revolves around trying to talk to girls, but there was this girl that I wanted to talk to at the gym. Okay, she was very hot, had the biggest ass you've ever seen in your life. Once again, that's an irrelevant part of the story, but I always think it is worth a mention nowadays. All right, this is the ass generation. You go on Instagram, you see an ass. You go on here, you see an ass. It's ass everywhere. So I had to include that. Now, here's what I did. Now, obviously, nobody wants to... Nobody wants to go up to somebody at the gym because then you're the, everybody's watching. Everyone wants to talk to the hottest girl at the gym, so you'll always have an audience. If you start that walk up to the girl at the gym, you can bet your ass every single guy in there who's been trying to concoct a way of their own to talk to her is going to be eagle-eyed to see how that goes. And that's pressure. That's pressure. And also, it puts the girl in an awful spot where she knows she's being watched by everyone and she doesn't know what to do. Okay? You could go with the fake, like, help on an exercise. Like, oh, you, need, uh, you should get your knees higher on that. Yeah, just get those knees up. By the way, my name's Andy. How are you? No, I didn't go with that. Here's what I did. And remember, this is a true story. But imagine somebody else told you that I did this. You'd say they're the craziest person ever. What I did was I strategically positioned myself to the machine closest to the exit door. Once I saw her go to the bathroom to leave, you know, you go, they go to the bathroom, whatever, you know, get their stuff from the locker and leave. So when I see them do that, I go to the machine closest to the door. Then when I saw her come out of the bathroom door, I did that fake, all right, you know, last set's done. And then I did my walk to the door. So I timed my walk to the exit door simultaneously with her walk from the, the locker room. Now she's a few feet behind me. 
I open the door, I hold it for her. She goes, thank you, I go, no problem. Now you may think nothing of that, but th that's voice exchange right there. She hears how I talk, I hear how she talks, and she knows that I held the door for her, which means I'm a half decent human being. So now we walk out the door, now all eyes are off us. It's just me and her in a parking lot. And I just said, the classic like, what's your name, da da da. And because there was no pressure, what do you think happened? She gave me the number. And then she actually texted me an hour later, I'm sorry, you know, I'm kind of with somebody, I maybe shouldn't have done that. So then I did the classic, oh my God, I, I can't believe I came off like that. I just moved to the area and I wrote, I don't really know anybody in the area. And then what happens four hours later, she says, what are you doing tonight? So, you know, it's the old game of double bluff. What do you got under the cards? So there you go. There's two conspiracy theories. And I know you're thinking I'm a dirtbag because they both revolve around talking to women. However, they're full conspiracies. Like they are. It's, it's not debatable. They are. I did them. So that's how you also know they're true. I'm trying to enlighten you a little bit. I'm a low-level conspiracy partaker. Not even a theorist. I'm a conspiracy partaker. It is nice to get yet another sense of normalcy down here. Like the fact that I'm going to be able to perform at a comedy club. Sometimes people ask me, like, why, why weren't you doing that when you were younger? And the answer is... Because years ago, like when I moved to California, I had a coffee with a comedian out there, <laughs> not Jerry Seinfeld, but I had a coffee with a well-known comedian on Melrose Avenue. I remember I basically said to him, like, I, I'm pursuing acting and performing, but, you know, I really like comedy as well, and I'm trying to do that. And his advice to me was, honestly, man, you should probably pick one lane and just give it your all at that. And then what made the difference for me was, I looked to my left at the comedians, and they were always on the road. They always looked haggard. They always looked like they never slept, and they didn't look that well off in life. And then I looked across the aisle at actors who would be considered literally the lowest on the totem pole, like part-time working actors for daytime television, and they were living quite fantastic lives. And just... I hope if a comedian hears this, they don't get too angry at me. And I do apologize about this. I do not disrespect the craft or anything like that. I put in my hours. It was just the life just looked like a life that wore on their face. And uh, I guess I valued my face <laughs> a little more. So I have a, it's an evolving thesis on this next generation, like the Gen Z type of generation. It really, it changes every single week. I swear to you. Like, first, I absolutely despise them. Then, all of a sudden, I like them. Then I hate them again. Something happens. And I'm currently in a period where I absolutely love them. Piggybacking on what I was saying last week, I love this next generation because they're extraordinarily untalented. Like, they're so untalented that it's actually keeping me alive. Like, you know when you watch an athlete and they really start to hit that point where they're aging and you could see that young guy is just way better than them. And now like they have to adjust their game like Kobe Bryant in the later years. With entertainment, the opposite is happening. They are so untalented, these younger people with doing their quote unquote content, that it's keeping me alive. Because my stuff is of you know, it has actual production quality, it's shot well, it looks good, so I'm still alive because there's not a better gender. It's, imagine worse athletes coming up. That's what's happening right now, and it's why I'm alive. 
How unbelievable is that? For God's sake, when you watch WrestleMania, you still have to wheel out the Undertaker's old bones to sell it out. There's no excitement with these. There's no new Rock. There's no new Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, hey, how are those new comedy movies doing? Oh, yeah, that's right. There hasn't been one in 10 years. They don't even exist. This young kid reached out to me and goes, yo, man, I have never seen videos like the ones you make. Oh, what? Videos of me sitting in a chair talking? That Oh, yeah, it is astronomical. It's mind-blowing that that could happen, that somebody could sit in a chair and talk into a microphone. Amazing. They can't even talk anymore. You ever see these TikTok videos? Everything's like a voiceover. They can't even think of their own words anymore. So the next thing to do is take other people's sentences and lip-sync them. Not even songs. Not even songs. On TikTok, there are videos where, I don't know, they're just random random people saying sentences. And the kids just word somebody else's words. Now, as you may have seen in the news again, Martin Scorsese reiterated that same point that just kind of in different terminology he reiterated that entertainment has just gone to like he labeled it something along the lines of it's like the transition from you know film and entertainment to to content and like just think about that word content it, it basically signifies what it is like oh no it's not entertainment definitely not entertainment but it, it exists so it must be something. It's it's content. It's content. I've mentioned this before, but when my mom took me to the beach as a little kid, she didn't say, hey, kids, gather around. I'm about to take a picture so we have content. I'm going to upload some new content to the folders. No, no. It's just called you're taking a picture. However, there are those things that were popular before content, still are popular during this content generation, and maybe will remain popular forever. You know, everybody loves The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Despite me never watching the show and having no ties to it, news still comes up on my timeline about it. And I, I find it so funny. Like, first of all, has there ever even been one couple that has remained together through 25 years of this show? Has one person even found their true soulmate? So they haven't, and yet I'm somehow supposed to buy in that next season it's magically going to happen. This is the season, season 26 of The Bachelor, where someone's going to meet who they truly fall in love with and stay with forever. Yeah, that, that was like me holding out hope that New York was going to get back to normal. Actually, I don't want to get too down on New York. Did you hear the good news? They raised indoor dining capacity from 25% to 35%. So now that small Cuban diner with nine tables can go from three tables all the way up to three tables. We're back, baby. What they're doing is stupid. Holding out hope for a genuine connection being achieved on The Bachelor is like holding out hope that commenting on an Instagram model's upload is going to slightly better your chance at being able to get together with her. Don't be stupid. How many times do you need to see it fail? How many times do you need to see it fail before you realize, oh, that's right. I'm a piece of garbage who's never going to even be able to sniff in her direction. That is good advice in life. All right, so now let's theoretically say that there's a couple that does remain together. They stand the test of time. How long do you think it's going to be until some of those guys' actions are going to come back to haunt him? Sure, of course, when Vanessa is vying against 35 other girls, she's going to have to sweep a bunch under the rug. But how do you think that's going to be six years down the road? When all of a sudden she's at home and opening the refrigerator and she remembers what the sound of her husband clapping Desiree's cheeks in the penthouse suite sounded like. Might not sit well in the long run. 
Oh, if I was ever on The Bachelorette, I'd be the first one right off. I'd be the first person right off the show. I can't get a third date with a broke six riddled with college debt. You think I'm getting a rose over Zach Efron's unemployed shredded brother? No. No. My appearance on The Bachelor would be quicker than my one-day stint on Days of Our Lives where I had under five lines. It's a one-and-done, just like one of Calipari's players. By the way, and I really don't know this question, which one gets like higher ratings? Which one is more popular? Would that be The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? Actually, why did I even ask that question? It has to be... It has to be The Bachelor. Yeah, the, yes, the, ba- the one that has 20 hot girls has to be the one with higher ratings. It, it's, it's like Instagram. I mean, come on. The asses get all the clicks. And what, there's like 30 people left who watch The Bachelorette with the guys vying for the girls' attention. Come on, no one gives, a, no one gives two shits about some random guy from Milwaukee. You know what I love about The Bachelor or Bachelorette, whatever? How they try to sell it to us. Like, oh, 30 women, 30 contestants looking for love, so they're coming to The Bachelorette. Oh, was it hard to find love? Was it so hard for the hottest girls you've ever seen in your life to find love outside of that bachelor house? I have some news for you, Bachelor, Bachelorette people. You understand that the show is not real, right? Like they, When you're watching a show and they say, hey, like that's Kelly from North Dakota. No, no. These are all failed performers in the Los Angeles metro region. They hear that clock ticking, so then they turn from, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to be in the Hunger Games, so let's do a quick cash grab. So they apply to the Bachelorette. And then when they introduce themselves, they just introduce themselves from the town they moved to Los Angeles from. Like the equivalent, when I was living in Los Angeles, if I was on the Bachelorette, then I would say, hi, my name's Andy from Nassau County, New York. No, I was living right on Melrose Avenue. And I'm telling you, in plain New York speak, as a born and bred New Yorker. Look, I could understand if you believe this was actual people vying for love and that it was genuine, but do you believe for one minute that these girls in this show have trouble finding love? These are the hottest girls you've ever seen in your life. The next time you go anywhere, look around. Look around, look at every single person, and tell me if one person you see looks remotely like anybody on that show. And the answer, of course, is absolutely not. If you truly think a bachelorette, bachelor, whatever, contestant cannot find love, simply go check their direct messages before the show. Before the show. Man, they have more offers than a Wayne Gretzky rookie card on eBay. I can't. Even if it's entertaining, I can't watch it. I would tell you guys not to watch it, but I know better than to try to tell people to do anything because then they're just going to do the opposite. That'd be my advice to you, by the way, about advice. Don't give it. That is good advice in life. I tell you not to do it, not out of some mean-spirited place, but giving somebody meaningful advice, it's a pretty draining process, and that normally wouldn't be a problem at all if even 10% of that advice was heeded. However... You know how many people that I've offered advice to over the years, over the course of my life, have actually taken that advice? If you're thinking zero, that is correct. Everybody, from friends to family, it didn't matter. If it's any sort of emotional situation, you can literally show somebody their own future. You can be the ghost of Christmas future showing Ebenezer Scrooge their downfall, and they will still just walk right off that plank. People will always do what they were going to do in the first place. The real question is, how much energy are you going to waste trying to convince them otherwise? However, I guess somebody calling you for advice, it it ranks slightly higher on the scale than people who call you just as a filler. You know what I'm talking about? You ever those people who call you just in like that filler role? Like if somebody is stuck in traffic for an hour, then you get that FaceTime. 
That gives you vertigo because you're sitting on your couch as they're just, you know, jingling their camera around and, and you, you're that gap filler. I bet you during coronavirus, there's a ton of those people who are in quarantine. Oh, they'll FaceTime you every single day until they're healthy and then you never hear from them again. I will say it is definitely better than nothing, though, because the amount of people who call me, you can probably count on Jason Pierre Paul's hand. I have one friend who, who told me he cannot even think of the last time somebody called him for something other than a favor. He's only called, it's like the mail for him. You know, when you get a mail, it never has good news. That's what phone calls have become. Just a repeated delivery of favors and bad news. So all you people, when you look down at your phone, and you see Johnny Dakota's calling you to tell you about the big party on Friday night. Just know that won't last forever. I want you to meet a close friend of mine, Johnny Dakota. Johnny Dick. Hey, yeah, so people have been getting, like, the vaccine for a few months now, right? Any updates on that? Somebody want to update the news? Like, is there an article that says, oh, hey, uh, we're doing a little better here. Because as far as I can tell, it's still just equally miserable. Everybody's dying and there's not one shred of good news. I mean, what is happening here? What is happening? Like, how are the numbers going down by the number of people who've been vaccinated? This is why I hate the news, because they're like a boxing promotion. They handpick their fighters, and that's why people are going 55 and no. You never see the fights that you want to see. There needs to be a UFC of politics where some Dana White character gets in there and says, hey, you, you, get to the bottom of this, and we're all watching. All right, let me, let me try to reel this in. I was just kind of... I just kind of went wild there going on absolute rants. Part of the reason is, you know, like I said, I haven't been on stage in a long time, so I want to kind of just give myself a, an opportunity to ramp my energy up so that I'm not flat tomorrow. I would hate if that was the case, so I want to kind of give myself some practice in doing that. And it definitely doesn't sound good, the episode I'm talking about conspiracy theorists, that I sound all yipped up, like, hey, man, you got to be there to trust me, conspiracy theorists are real, man. No, um, but maybe allow me to cool everything down by talking about something uh, that will warm the heart. It's way more pleasant. Uh, these last two days, I've been spending time with my cousin. His name is Chris Nickich, and he is the first athlete with Down syndrome to complete an Ironman. And he did this recently, and he has received all sorts of adoration from around the globe, not even locally, from everywhere. And his story is so uplifting. He's inspirational on so many fronts. You could see him on Theo Vaughn's podcast. He was great there. He's got a great sense of humor. And um, he's, he's training to go to Hawaii in October. He's registered for the next event. And to spend some time with him is very, uh, puts a lot of things into perspective. I know my older brother, before he went, he told me how much he was moved when he went to spend time with Chris and some of his other friends and trainers and whatnot. And it had a similar effect on myself. It's very hard to take a look at his story and then feel sorry for yourself. He's an extremely inspiring an uplifting individual. His name's Chris Nickich. It's N-I-K-I-C. All you got to do is Google it and you'll see the bunch of stories about it. <laughs> what a wild ride this was, huh? Talking about, going nuts about my conspiracy theories at the gym and things like that. Low-level misdemeanor conspiracy theories to the heartwarming tale of my cousin Chris Nickich. So 
That's what you get on this podcast. You just get anything at any times because that's how my brain works. Hopefully tomorrow goes well. If it goes well, maybe I'll have some clips to show you. I don't know what their policies are with filming and whatnot. But if it goes well, maybe I'll show you some. But uh, I can't even tell you to keep my fingers crossed because by the time I get this out there, it'll probably be over. Whatever has happened, how crazy is that? Whatever has happened, has happened. How's that for some philosophy? Put that in your Instagram bio. And until then, I will talk to you guys next week. Have a great one. Thank you for coming back as always. And we're still going to wing this until I'm back in the studio. I think it's doing all right. All right. I'll talk to you later.